What's up, New York? You're listening to the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. Hey guys, this next segment is brought to you by the Blackhawk Group. Blackhawk Group offers an unparalleled customer support service combined with top-level classroom installations and equipment servicing. They have years' worth of experience in this field, experience that is unmatched by competitors anywhere. Learn more about Blackhawk Group at www.blackhawkgroupllc.net. Hey everybody, welcome to our latest episode of the Empire State Conservative Network podcast. This is Pete. And first off, if you're new to the show, welcome. This is for New York-based conservatives who are tired of how the state's being run. Obviously, the last week and a half, we've been dealt several blows to the mouth regarding uh, first the Reproductive Health Act, followed up by the DREAM Act the very next night, and then the legislation that passed two days ago. So the state is a mess, and it's this progressive agenda, and I use that term very loosely, is really being pushed across by an incredibly blue Senate and our god-awful governor, Andrew Cuomo. So today, we've got some fun stuff on hand. Actually, before I get into it, I tried recording this show before, and there was no audio but the video. So this is the second time around doing it. I'm going to look to cut into the time because it was running pretty long. So anyway, um, we're going to be discussing a New York State bill that's in committee to separate upstate from downstate New York. Mayor de Blasio boasting about some misleading education statistics and more specifically graduation rates in and around the city. And our favorite congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, continuing to make enemies and make a fool of herself. So first off, let's get into Bill S386A. It's being co-sponsored by both Patrick Gallivan in the 59th Senate District and Senator Pamela Helming of the 54th Senate District. And basically, this bill would permit New York State to place a non-binding initiative on the ballot, so next time around, as they tried to do it last year and it failed. And this has been in committee and in discussion since 2013, so this is nothing new, but as to whether the citizens of the state would support a division of New York into two separate states. And the bill's justification is, quote, presently there is a large degree of apparent support for dividing New York into two separate states so as to separate the distinct social and political concerns between upstate and downstate New York. This bill would help to measure this apparent support by permitting the the state to place an initiative on the ballot to pull the citizens of New York on this issue. Look, this has, been on the, this has been on the docket since 2013. It's co-sponsored with different people, and it's never passed. It's never going to pass. I'm sorry. Uh, I feel for you in central and upstate New York. You may think, oh, what the hell does he know? He lives on Long Island, and you, the two people that you primarily do these shows with are from Long Island and Queens also. And we get that, but there are plenty of people in and around Long Island who are conservative and who are just to discuss with how the state is run. Nassau County, the county right over from here and the county where I resided for most of my life, property taxes went through the roof um, after the midterms. And a lot of people weren't happy about it. In fact, 2,500 people showed up to a town hall, which is a lot for a town hall meeting, um, expressing their displeasure. There are plenty more who have called their local and state representatives to complain about this. And it's because of why the state government wants to take more and more of your money. Obviously, in central upstate New York, I went to college in central New York. I went to Syracuse University. I was there for four years. I saw that once he got off this university grounds, the rest of the city was pretty downtrodden. They were renovating downtown Syracuse, but the rest of it was pretty crappy. It was very run down. It was because Carrier moved out in the 80s, I believe, and so went a lot of jobs for the upstate area. Unless you work in education and academia for a SUNY school or for a private institution up there, there aren't a lot of opportunities. I understand that. At the same time, New Yorkers have to come together because, like I said, there are conservatives all over the state. 
and we can all vote out these people. You know, 70% of New Yorkers do not vote. They don't. So automatically, you're giving Democrats, who in this state in particular, as well as many other blue states, they get out and vote in much larger numbers than we do. The thing is, we can outvote them. A lot of people in and around the city, who a lot of people say, that's the crux, that's the issue, they all vote Democrat. A lot of them don't vote. If you look at the polling data, it's pretty even across the board. About 70% of people everywhere in the state do not vote. So if you, or let's say you voted, and that's great, and I applaud you. If you can get your neighbors, your friends, your family members who are conservative to get out there and vote out Cuomo, even if that's our mission number one, is to get him out, then guess what? That blocks any crappy progressive le uh, legislation like what we just witnessed in the past week and a half come to pass. It does that. It will do that, even if that's step one. And unfortunately, he's not on the docket again until 2022, so not much we can do about him. But there are incumbents, and there are aspiring legislators who are incredibly radical leftists that need to be stopped. And we can do something about it if we get out there and we vote in 2020. So that's one of the reasons we started Empire State Conservative Network. Secondarily, um, we also have to find good candidates, and that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to bring those people to you, not just the ones from Long Island, not just the ones from Queens and in and around the city, but all over the state. I, we've reached out to numerous senators, numerous representatives. We've heard back from some. We're still trying to work out days and times that work well for everyone involved. But we want to bring them to you, and we want them to talk about what's happened in the past week and a half, and also what they're looking to do for you, both in the present and in the future, and how we, we can get out there through a grassroots movement like Empire State Conservative Network and get the vote out and get these people out and take back this once great state. That's what we're looking to do. This bill, while it may not be a terrible idea, is not going to pass. I'm sorry. If it hasn't already, it's not going to now. So, you know, we can talk it up all we want, and we can push it all we want. That ain't going to happen here, not as it's presently constituted. The first way that we can speak is through our votes, and that's what needs to happen in 2020 and beyond. So I just want to talk about that quickly. Secondarily, Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City, self-proclaimed socialist, was roasted beautifully. I saw this awful press conference yesterday about he and his education secretary, the chancellor, Richard Carranza, were boasting about the continual increase in graduation rates. And de Blasio even went so far as to say, and I quote, mayoral control of education works. A great and epic New York Post article by their editorial board completely dismantled that. So they said, higher rates are what you'd expect when the state education department and board of regions has spent years making it easier to graduate. Schools can use things like bogus, quote, credit recovery programs, and they can change student grades to increase their number of graduates. The latest SCD data showed that 75.9% of all kids who started at a New York City public high school in 2014 graduated last year. But only half of those graduates met CUNYs, that's an acronym for City University of New York, if you're not familiar, standards for college readiness. So only half of those people met them, and those standards were recently lowered. So if the standards are getting lower and graduation rates are getting higher, that doesn't mean that the standards were too high and the kids couldn't meet them. That means that the kids, whether it was the teachers, whether it's a societal cultural thing, which I'll get into in a second, they're not meeting the requirements needed to meet these CUNY expectations or any type of college readiness or job market experience or whatever. So if they lower the standards, graduation rates can go up. It's simple. 
It's basic. So anyway, let's talk about how much easier graduating high school in New York City has gotten. In recent years, the regions have okayed multiple new pathways to diplomas, and they've added new languages to the, and this is the name of the program, language other than English pathway. Regions exams have gotten easier to pass, while local superintendents have added discretion in deciding if students with disabilities have the academic proficiency to graduate. The city's regular public schools still show no sign of erasing the achievement gap between black and Hispanic students versus white and Asian ones. And this is one thing I want to talk about. So all of this can be traced back to the welfare state. We've talked a lot the last couple of weeks about the border wall issue, about the government shutdown, how that's over border wall funding, how there may be an issue with illegal immigrants entering the country through the southern border. And more and more of them are not being taught to assimilate. We, uh, we talked about, even with Larry Sharp, he said that if you come in through a southern border or you're trying to come here from another country, there have to be certain standards that are met every couple of years. And you have to go and you have to prove, hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I've become proficient in English to this degree. I've learned X, I'm doing Y, and then you move on. And then standards become higher and higher and higher until you can take your citizenship test and become a citizen. And that's not what's happening. You know, during de Blasio's press conference, he was talking in Spanish at the time, which, fine. If the parents are new to the country, they still haven't really picked up on English, fine. But, you know, having regions diplomas and tests and language other than English pathways tells these kids, look, you don't have to change anything about who you were from your other country. And it's not to say you have to get rid of your native tongue. That's not to say you, you need to get rid of your native customs. None of that is true. All you have to do to be accepted in America anywhere is to learn English, to have a skill or trade that is valuable to other people so you can earn a decent living, and to just be a nice person. Be courteous. Don't take advantage of the system. Don't be a freeloader. If you do that, people on the left and the right will accept and like you. It's a very, very, very simple thing. And unfortunately, even through our city's education system, and it's not just you know, specific to the city. I'm talking about the city because this is New York, but this is happening all over the country. By not making them learn English, or, or at least not to the same rate, like there were kids when I was in school that were from, you know, Korea or Japan or China. And within two years, two years, they were, they were in regular classes. They didn't have an aide walking around with them, interpreting for them. They didn't have, you know, papers and things given in another language. They learned the language and they learned quickly. They did it because they wanted to learn. They wanted to fit in. They wanted to do well here. Their parents came here for a reason and they want to uphold their end of the bargain. That's not really the case. That's not the message that Bill de Blasio and people like him are sending in positions of power. Obviously, this whole public display that he put on the other day is just to show how great he is and why he's going to make a great president and why he's going to be entering the presidential race in 2020. I guarantee you him and Gillibrand are going to be the two New York reps, maybe Bloomberg even, who will do it. And if you want to count Howard Schultz, maybe them too. That's all he's doing here and it proves nothing. The reason that certain ethnic groups like the black and Hispanic students that this article points out are struggling is because they've been thrust into the welfare state with the immigrants. They come here and they know if they can get past border security and they don't get caught by ICE or anybody like that, then guess what? Especially here in New York State now with the DREAM Act, 
you get a free education. You get a bunch of free stuff. You get free health care in New York City under de Blasio's new plan. There's a lot of free stuff that you get just for coming here and for coming here illegally and for not assimilating. Meanwhile, you have taxpayers, people who have lived here their whole lives, people who are American citizens who are getting the short end of the stick. It's a disgrace. And that's why they're coming here. So if they're taught, you don't have to change anything. And then you're overwhelmed with this new education style and system, this new language, this new culture. That's okay. There are other pathways to it. That's a bad look. And I'm willing to bet that at least for that aspect of the population they pointed out that's struggling, that's why they're not. In terms of the welfare state, and Thomas Sowell, a famous economist, a black economist at that, points this out all the time in his books, whenever he does talks, is that since the welfare state was really established in the 1960s by Lyndon B. Johnson, black women are incentivized to be single mothers. So they're incentivized not to marry the father of their children. They're incentivized not to stay attached to the father of their children. They're incentivized to have more kids out of wedlock. They're incentivized not to get a job, not to acquire a skill or a trade, but to get a check from the federal government. The more you mooch off the government, the more money you get from the government. And then it's scary. And this can create generational issues where if it started in the 60s, when the Welfare Act was first introduced and it's only grown since then, then it could become a generational thing. It could be three, four generations of people since then who have been indoctrinated into this welfare system who are afraid to step outside of it because they know I'm going to get a steady three, four, five, six thousand dollars from the government every month for having two or three kids out of wedlock for not having a job. And uh, likewise, if I entered the workforce because I don't have any skills or valuable trades right now, I may not even make the minimum wage and I may struggle for a long time. And for a lot of people, people like stability for the most part, the vast majority. Like, I'm, I know I'm a radical. I'm an entrepreneur. I own two businesses. I, I don't think I can work for someone ever in my entire life. I tried right out of college. I hated it. And so, uh, but I'm a rarity. Most people are not like that. So, and I'm going to get into actually the wage gap because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is pushing something in just a second. But if, you, if that's what you look at, you know, you don't have to succeed in school. You don't have to succeed in anything. The government will give you money. The more you do that's not morally right in society, the more money we're going to give you. The more you do that's right, the more we take away. That's the type of system that exists in this state. That's why so many people are leaving. That's why so many people that are here are disgruntled, and it has to stop. De Blasio is a cancer, and this, this whole display that he's doing good is a disgrace because numbers, people say numbers don't lie, but they do. They do. And in this case, graduation rates are going up not because the kids who are graduating are any smarter or any better or even on the same playing level as kids who graduated 10, 15, 20 years ago, but they're, getting, they're having an easier time. They don't have to learn English. They don't have to do certain things that you or I had to do when we got our region's diplomas in high school. So it's a disgrace. That's all I have to say about that. This next segment is brought to you by Items for All Occasions. Items for All Occasions specializes in helping you sync up with what you need for your event's promotional needs. Whether it's announcements, cards, giveaways, invitations, tchotchkes, or video books, they have you covered. Learn more about Items for All Occasions at www.itemsforalloccasions.com. And speaking of other numbers that lie, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez reintroducing the reintroduction of the Paycheck Fairness Act. Wow. So I'm going to go into a couple of things here. 
One is from a 2009 study by an organization called the Consad Research Corporation. And then I'm going to go into why Christina Hoff Summers, of all people, who, if you don't know, she's a feminist and she's probably more towards the middle today, considering like the Howard Schultz type of liberal um, instead of, you know, the Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez or Elizabeth Warren type of liberal. But um, it's, very, it's very interesting to see these two takes. So first, the, the study. So a 2009 Consad Research Corporation study prepared for the U.S. Department of Labor cautioned against misinterpretation of census and other wage data, suggesting that the wage gap between the sexes was not due to systemic discrimination. Although additional research in this area is clearly needed, this study leads to the unambiguous conclusion, so it's not ambiguous, this is a definitive conclusion, that the differences in the compensation of men and women are the result of a multitude of factors and that the raw wage gap should not be used as the basis to justify corrective action. Indeed, there may be nothing to correct. The differences in raw wages may be almost entirely the result of the individual choices, yes, being made by both male and female workers. What does this mean? This means, and this is all raw data, you can look up video from 1980s of Thomas Sowell talking about this himself when talking about the wage gap myth. So studies dating back 40, 50 years go into this, and this 2009 study from just about 10 years ago goes into the same thing. So basically, as men and women move along and enter the workforce, so let's assume they got a four-year undergraduate degree, so they're 21, 22, heading into the job market. Let's say two of them, they decide to go to law school, all right? I'm going to law school actually kind of later in life, but let's say they go to law school at 22, and they both graduate at 25, and they get jobs at the same law firm, making the same wage going in, and they work their way up. And then at 30, the female has an epiphany. She wants to have a family. She wants to settle down. The 16-hour days, six days a week are doing her in. She doesn't want to do it anymore, no matter how much money she makes. She wants to find love. She wants to have a family, and she's willing to take a step back maybe do some consulting work, maybe start her own business on the side, helping people, but on her schedule and on her time, rather than having to worry about making it. She made all her money between 25 and 30, and she finds a guy who's got a steady job and, and decent pay himself. So she settles down and has a family at 30. Obviously, because of that individual choice, she's not going to continue to move up the pay ladder and become a partner at the firm and do all these other things. Vice versa... Let's say a guy at around 30 decides to settle down and have kids. He can still move up the corporate ladder because his wife is more understanding. She'll stay home with the kids. She'll upraise the kids. And she may not have as demanding a job as he does. And so he's the breadwinner, and he's going to continue to work his way up. Some people can call this sexist. This is how the world works. I grew up in a different situation where my mom is a partner at a prestigious law firm. She's been a partner at several prestigious law firms over the course of her career. But my dad is the one who decided to take the back seat. This is a dynamic in every relationship. My situation is almost the polar opposite of what happens in real life and across 50-plus years of statistical analysis. Most women prefer stability. They don't want work to dominate their lives. Men, on the other hand, are more likely to be workaholics. They're more stubborn. They're more money-hungry. And so they'll continue to bust their butt 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their lives so they can make more and more and more and more and more. That's just how it is. That's life. That's human biology. That's human psychology. And it's been proven in studies, again, over half a century. So 
This is all BS. And Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, you look at the video of her talking about this the other day, it's disgraceful that this person was elected. I know where she's from. A lot of people say, well, look at the district she's in. It doesn't matter. There are plenty of educated people in her district. But the problem is, again, we talked about the welfare state before. The Democrats want people to have a victim mentality. How many intersectional checkboxes can you mark off? How marginalized are you? Do you feel down and burdened by the man? And one can come back and even say, well, you guys, you know, you're Empire Street Conservative Network. You guys are talking to people who feel ostracized in New York, who are whining and complaining. Yeah, we are. And we have every right to. But the difference is also, we don't make excuses. We don't have the state senate. We don't have the governorship because we don't get out there and vote. And we don't have enough people who are passionate about this, who are true to their morals and their values, who will actually try and make change for the better for conservatives and for everyone in New York State. Because let's face it, the conservative way is the better way. It always has been. Protect the Bill of Rights. Protect our constitutional rights. Stay off my lawn. That's it. Don't go into my pocket too much. That's all we ask of our government. Stay out of our lives. Give us the right to privacy. Give us the right to live our lives and to pursue life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's what we want. That's all we want. It's not a lot to ask. The problem is the state and the federal level has grown and grown and grown and grown over the last 100 plus years. And we have to try and undo it. We really do. And we, it starts locally. Justin said this on his podcast last week. Politics is local. So Let's do something about it in 2020. Let's get out there and vote. But they skew statistics. They speak to people who want to feel marginalized. Unfortunately, a lot of people are raised to feel marginalized. I have family members who feel marginalized. Or if they don't feel marginalized, they feel they have to stand up for others who they feel are marginalized. Nobody's marginalized. Do pe- are people born into better situations than others? Sure. It happens everywhere. How many times have you seen an athlete or a musician, or even a Rhodes Scholar, someone who stays in academia his or her whole life, come from poverty, abject poverty, from the hood, from a broken down country, and they, a third world country, and they come here and they succeed, no matter how little money they have, no matter how hungry they were, no matter how many obstacles were in their way. They actually live the American dream. That's the American dream. The American dream is not to sit on your ass, eat bonbons, watch Netflix while the government sends you check after check every month because you're wasting your life. That's not what this country is all about. That's not what we stand for. So wage gap, BS. (laughs) That was a little circular, but whatever. Another thing about Ocasio-Cortez, which is interesting, is that her constant gaffes and her desire to go outside authority has led an anonymous House Democrat to come forward to the press and suggest that they're working on getting a bona fide candidate in her district to try and make her a one-term congresswoman. So many New York and congressional black caucus lawmakers are also furious with Ocasio-Cortez after a recent Politico report stating that she and the grassroots group aligned with her, Justice Democrats, were considering backing a primary challenge to fellow New York Democrat Hakeem Jeffries, a black caucus member and establishment insider who succeeded Crowley as caucus chairman. Representative Gregory Meeks, also a Democrat from New York, whose district concludes part of Queens, said in an interview, I can only tell you that the times I've spoken to her and the times she's been at the New York delegation meetings, she's been cooperative and wants to be a team player. That's what she said, so you got to take her at her word until something changes. She's not making friends in the Democratic, uh, in, in the, with the establishment Democrats. And why? Because, lover or hater, I know most of you feel the latter about her. She's actually passionate. 
She is. That's why she has millions of followers. She may be completely wrong on just about everything. I think the only correct thing she's ever said or, or political stance she's ever taken was when the government shut down First Star and she said that she and her fellow congressmen and women should not receive their paychecks, that that money should go towards the quote-unquote non-essential employees. And unfortunately, some of the non-essential employees, they are essential. They're military members that are not getting paid, which is absolutely ludicrous. And they have this loophole saying, well, you know, we're technically non-essential too, but because we had budgetary provisions put in place so that we're paid through the end of 2019, we're still good. You know, that's the only correct stance she's taking. The rest of it, the 70% tax, the Green New Deal, um, th- this new bill, the, uh, what is it called? The Paycheck Fairness Act. It's all BS. It's all pandering. It's all victimization. It's all meant to make you dependent on the government teat. Nothing about what she stands for is good. So in a way, I hope that establishment Democrats can find a candidate that will replace her. You know a Republican's not winning in her district. That's completely out of the question. But if they get an establishment Democrat in there, you think about the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. She's the devil you don't know. She's actually radical and she wants to make change. Suppose Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who you know, they're lying snakes. They're just going to say whatever is most advantageous to them politically at the time. And they're going to flip-flop the next time the situation calls for it and the political climate calls for it. Um, I'd rather deal with people who create gridlock, like the government shutdown, um, than, I, than deal with someone like her, who, if they continue to rise in popularity... And rise through the ranks. You know, she's already as a freshman on the House Finance Committee. Now, that could be a joke because Maxine Waters runs the House Finance Committee and she's corrupt. And you know she knows dick about finance. But regardless, this is not a good person to have in office. She's dangerous. She is dangerous. If she, um, Omar, Tlaib, and all these other radicals who just got elected during the past midterms continue to rise through the ranks of the Democratic Party and that is what the leadership becomes when Pelosi and Schumer are out. We're in for a rude awakening, guys. So it's going to be very interesting to see if she continues to polarize herself against her own party, if they're going to have enough in the radical minority. I mean, they're a very vocal and passionate minority, no doubt, but it's still a minority. Most Democrats are establishment Democrats. They're just going to pander to their base, and they're not going to do anything when the time comes. There's going to be very nominal amounts of legislation that will go in their direction. So she's dangerous. She needs to get out. And in, for once, I kind of agree with some of these establishment Democrats. Get her out. Because, again, if she continues to rise, we're going to be in trouble, especially if one day she runs for president. Anyway, all right, guys. So if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. As you've seen or heard, we're trying to attract sponsors. We already have a couple, but we can use more. So please feel to do that. And also, look, we're trying to make inroads. Again, our mission is to get the vote out in 2020 and to bring the candidates to you so you can listen to them, so you can decide who the best person is, whether it's a Republican candidate, Libertarian candidate, whatever, in your district. So we're going to be bringing that to you between now and the election in 2020. But if you can help support, it's just $5 a month. You know, Facebook blacklisted us. I don't know if you guys saw that earlier today. Um, they've been not accepting our payments for the last couple of days, and we pay them almost a grand a month and in, in ads. And they do not... They're, they're not taking it from us for some reason. And we're trying to remedy the situation. They've told me to do some BS things to my computer, which I know for a fact 
have nothing to do with what the issue is. But you've heard about this with other much larger conservative outlets, and they're having issue with us. We don't have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to hire a lawyer to file suit against them if this BS continues. We're now going on almost 72 hours without being able to attract more New Yorkers. So we're going to ask you first, please consider sharing the Empire State Conservatives Facebook page, our website, EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com, and this show with like-minded people like yourselves. So again, we can spread this grassroots movement and get people out there in 2020 and vote. Also... If we ever do get back on Facebook or if we find another medium with which we can advertise and reach more people, please consider a monthly donation. Just $5 a month to get this wristband. We'll do a mailbag every Friday where we ask you for topics and questions, which we'll address. And also, and uh, that, that's pretty much it. We're also looking to do some meetups in the near future for different counties in, in the state. So stay tuned for that. And also, if you want to pay us just once for the entire year, if you can spare just $50 for the entire year, not only do you get Don't Let Fear Take Your Freedom wristband, not only do you get the Empire State Conservative uh, Network mailbag, but you also get an Empire State Conservative Network hoodie. You're going to have the logo on the front and your name and number on the back. Um, size is small to 5XL, so no matter how big or small you are, you can get it. Those are selling right now for $60, and we've actually sold a good number of them. We're actually about to um, order another shipment of them. So please, if you're interested, you're getting $10 off a hoodie, you're getting a free wristband, and you're also getting weekly access to us in the mailbag. Guys, thanks so much for watching or listening. This is Pete. Me and Evan will be coming back at you tomorrow. Have a great rest of the night, everyone. Have a good one. Hey everybody, it's Evan with Empire State Conservative Network. If you like this episode, please subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and leave us a five-star review. Also, please follow us on social media on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on Instagram at GetRedPilledNY, on Twitter at Empire State Cons, on Parlay at Empire State Conservatives. If you'd like to help us improve our shows, you can donate through our website at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com slash donate. We also have some merchandise that will be coming to you soon from our website. If you'd like to work with us in any capacity, please feel free to email us at GetRedPill76 at gmail.com. And as always, don't let fear take your freedom.